Beautiful game described by two ugly gentlemen. Glory to Columbus! Who are probably sitting at a soccer bar near you. McBride's in the box, a hard cross. McBride scores! It's 3 0 United States! Welcome to Bone and Bean United. Happy Soccer Podcast Day. What is up? I am Bone. And I am a back from vacation B. Well, it's been a few weeks, buddy, because I was gone, then you were gone. We both had some time off. But Summer we are- holiday. Yeah, we're back now. We're hanging out. We're having fun. We have got a lot to get to on this particular show today. Uh, Plenty of discussion about World Cup things. We're getting closer. Obviously, November, December of this year, that is when the 2022 World Cup is. Can't believe that we should already be smack in the middle of it. Right. But we will talk about uh, some World Cup things. The sites were announced for 2026. Those are the ones that will be mostly in the U.S. So we'll get into that. We will talk about some World Cup history later on involving the U.S. men's national team. 20 years ago this week, one of perhaps the greatest things, almost things that could have happened for U.S. soccer almost did happen, and I'm still angry about it, so we'll get into that. A big deal for Major League Soccer when it comes to the TV side of things. So all that and more. Thank God. (laughs) Thank God indeed. And I trust me, if you ever wanted to hear somebody just do a victory dance over a regional sports network get ready for the next segment because that's what i'm about to do because i'm so thrilled about this deal but we will start off with the thing that i'm sure you're expecting us to talk about it's the thing we've been waiting to talk about i'm just all- being a west ham fan <laughs> is what we're talking about yeah shout out to uh, daniel and chops for coming on the podcast last week and breaking I down green street hooligans that. i yeah i i didn't really know what to do i was i thought we were gonna do more on u.s soccer stuff and then i just thought you know why not just do something completely out of the norm and and have one of our other good podcasts around here nerd association they do a great job so uh they are very fun to listen to you should go check them out i just was on with them for a kenobi recap nice. if you've watched the disney plus series no spoilers here but there are on that if you want to go check it out uh but that's what we did last week this week we are full on into breaking down the biggest move i would say in columbus crew history literally i mean it has to be by definition of the money attached to it cucho hernandez former Watford player, my, my former favorite team Yep. last year. Mm-hmm. I unfortunately sent them down to the championship, not my intentions, but yes, they were your intentions. No, you know I, wanted Watford to stay up. I wanted Watford to stay up. Mm-hmm. All I know is this Cucho Hernandez played about 1200 minutes for Watford last year. He had the number keeps growing in my head, but I think I have this right. I want to say it's is it eight? Is it five goals? Five and goals three and three assists. Okay, eight so total. eight goals created in roughly 1,200 minutes, so 12 to 13 games, however you want to put that together if you look at a full 90. That's what he did in the Premier League. This guy is now coming to Major League Soccer. He is now coming to not Miami, not New York, not L.A., not one of these other, you know, hot Austin where people want to go, Seattle where they invented soccer culture in this country, supposedly, according to them. He's coming to the original Major League Soccer franchise. He is coming to the black and gold. He has already been photographed and videoed and tons of great promo work by the crew uh, digital team there to get all those great videos they put out of him. But he chose Columbus. He's here. He's going to play for the black and gold with Beamer. Like you said, a record amount of money being spent on this guy. Yeah, it was $10 million. It is a club franchise record for the crew. Uh, Previously, the club franchise record was for Lucas L. Now, 
I think he's had a pretty good go yeah. in his time here in Columbus. Yeah. He's lived up to that price tag. It's the seventh most expensive transfer in MLS history, which I think is pretty eye-watering. But before we get into expectations for Cucho and what he's going to bring into this team uh, and to get them back into the playoff race, I just want to say how, how cool it is. How old did you say he was, 23? 23 23-year-old, yeah. He's 23 years old. He comes by the way of Colombia. He has played in La Liga. He has played over in the Premier League. There were other teams that were after Cucho and Hernandez, his his you know talents, right? Yeah. This man decided in the prime of his career when he's 23 years old, a kid from Colombia, that, you know what, I want to spend the next few years in Columbus, Ohio. I think that's an unbelievable endorsement on the city of yes. Columbus yeah. and what that means. You're talking about a guy who I don't know exactly what his terms are, what the crew are paying him well, for his contract. I, from what I saw from Massive Report, I believe they reported it's an additional $10 million over okay. like three years. So, I mean, you're talking a 20, potentially a $20 million investment in one player in Columbus. Not like that's a Columbus crew player. Yeah. That's that's a ridiculous amount of money. I don't know if people understand. Like I, I know you do if you're listening to this podcast, but your friends who may have just gone to a crew game may not understand. Like it used to be a thing when a guy got 350k, mm-hmm. 450, like 500 grand is like whoa, hey, they they're really ex- they're they're you're putting, multiplying that by ten. They're putting 20 million dollars possibly or potentially into this player. Now they're hoping to possibly get more out of that eventually if he is really good here for a couple of years. He'll still be young enough. He could transfer out and. Or he could stay here. Who knows? But that's a significant investment into this team. I think it's just a its a really cool indictment on the city of Columbus, Ohio, that a guy, and I don't know what other offers he had. I don't know if it was other Premier League teams, if he had a chance to stay at Watford, stay in the championship in England, go to you know Spain or Portugal or wherever, France. Um, I think it's just pretty awesome, man. I mean, we've seen in so long, and this is honestly my problem with MLS for a long time was the fact that you were, quote-unquote, the retirement league, right? And, like, these big-time superstars would come over and they would cash their last paychecks here and go out for the, you know, the retirement tour, the farewell tour. Right. This kid's 23 years old in the prime of his life and deciding, you know what, I'm going to come to MLS and I want to help the city of Columbus, Ohio. I, I think that's unbelievable how cool that is for the fact that the league and the Columbus crew and Tim Bezbachenko and everybody in charge over there says, we have a... A, a, a realistic opportunity to go and get this guy and not only a realistic opportunity, but you actually put pen to paper. You did it. Yes. Yes. This is uh, a, a monumental occasion for longtime crew fans for new crew fans to it. It doesn't matter how long you've been a crew fan, but from the standpoint that I think every crew fan, no matter how long you've rooted for the team, at some point you have talked about your favorite team to someone else who maybe likes soccer, but doesn't like the crew or doesn't follow it as much. And you've talked to them about it and they're like, Oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. Who's that guy? Is he like a what does he play like junior varsity at his college team? He's right. playing for you. No, it's it. The level of MLS still has a long way to go, right? I mean, you go you go to the championship where he's you know he's a Premier League player last year. If he'd stayed with Watford, he would be playing in the championship, fighting to get promoted again. He would probably be playing out of position from what he wants to play. He wants to be a forward. They like to play him on the wing. He was deployed a lot as a winger in their formation, but. He wanted to come be the man, basically. I don't want to be a guy on a team. I want to be the man on a team that can go compete for a trophy, multiple trophies. That's that's what he has said he wanted to do when he came here, which I like to hear. But make no mistake about it. Like, the expectations for him are through the roof because yep. the price tag attached to him. No doubt. And maybe if he had stayed in England, he he would still be making a lot of money. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of – what I was going to say is a lot of guys in championship soccer – second division English soccer 
who are making 10, 15 million dollars, right? Living. Like there are guys doing that. That's that's MLS is still not there as far as salaries go. I have had multiple people ask me, what do you think is going to happen with Cucho Hernandez as a player on the field? And I don't know, Beamer, have you gotten that same kind of vibe from a lot of like non? Because I've had so many non-soccer people come up to me and be like, "Hey, this crew dude, what does this mean? Supposed to be legit? Like, what are what are are his expectations?" And that can be a double-edged sword. It can for non-soccer fans because you and I know watching soccer, and everybody listening to this podcast knows because you're a hardcore soccer fan. If you're checking us out, I assume you know that like getting a player in is just step one of the 20 steps to actually make it successful. Right. Cause he's got to integrate with the team. He's got to integrate with the staff. He's got to stay healthy. He's got to find his way in the system that is currently played. He's got to find his way into the way that MLS has played compared to the way that La Liga and the premier league has played, which is different. It's different play style. Tell me what you feel about this analogy. Cause I've used this a couple of times with buddies who like football. Okay. It probably is. Um, Cause they were like, so this dude was good in the, I mean, he was like an okay player in the premier league. He scored some goals. So he's got to be like, he's going to come here and score like 20 goals. Right. And I'm like, well, here's the thing. My comparison has been, cause I always have felt watching the premier league and watching a lot of European soccer. There is like this level of pride in one-on-one marking in tactical things that they do. I'm not saying that everybody plays the exact same style in Europe, but what I'm saying is, there's a lot more pride of, yeah, we're not going to do anything gimmicky defensively. Mm-hmm. We're going to straight up like try to put our best players against your best players, especially in England. That tends to be kind of yep. the way that the d- defensive philosophies are. In MLS, I feel like there's a lot more variance to, yeah, we we will run the triple option to like for for to use a football term, mm-hmm. right? Like we will we will run this kind of gimmicky thing defensively that maybe. Other coaches in other leagues would say, uh, no, we're above that. In MLS, it's like, I don't care. I'm trying to win. Right. Like, I, And I'm going to win because I, I know I don't have the budget that Watford has even mm-hmm. now, right? So that's going to always be the question when guys come from European leagues, but especially from England to MLS is can they deal with the difference of the way defense is played here? It's not that it's played better or worse. It's just played differently. And it is, I mean, it's a, it's an extremely physical league, but in different ways. Like, I think they're a lot more physical on the ball in England. Yeah. I think in MLS, there's a lot more physicality just all over the field when no one's looking. A lot of the stuff that would be too cheap to do in England, a lot of guys <laughs> wouldn't have, like, the pride of not doing it. That's not a thing in MLS. Like, there's a lot of cheap bastards who would just, you know, hit you for something in MLS. And that's where he's going to have to overcome that and get through that. I just think, you know, reading into Caleb Porter's comments and Tib Bezbachenko's comments, like, you understand your place in the world for world soccer. And they did. Like, we think a guy of his skill set, talking about Cucho Hernandez, a player of his caliber and a player of his skill set is really going to excel in our league. And I think those comments speak a lot to what their expectations are. And I think they should go along with the fans. Is he going to come in and score 20 goals? God, do I hope so. Like, that would be tremendous if he comes in here like a wrecking ball, hopefully on July 9th against the Chicago Fire, because he's going to be, what, eligible to... Uh, eligible for July, to be rostered July, July 7th, 7th is the international transfer window. So all these like transfers you're seeing technically now, there's lots of guys, you know, Erling Holland. It's not official. He's not. I mean, they're, they're officially signed, but they can't do anything. Yeah. If a game was to be played, right. which it's not in the premier league, they couldn't play yet till July 7th. MLS is actually in season right now. So that's why he won't be on the field for a couple weeks. It, correct. And so I think again, to your point, like the double edgedness of it, he comes over, it's a record price price tag 
for the crew and a record fee for the club. There are expectations. I would just say temper your expectations if you've watched soccer before because sometimes it takes a long time for oh, you sure. to get ingratiated to the way that, one, the, the soccer is played in this league and then what you are being asked to do in your position with your actual club. Yeah. It's, and, and then that's going to be on Caleb Porter, too. Of course it is. You know, I mean, there are a lot of good reasons to question whether or not this team shouldn't switch to a 4-3-3. Hey, man, he got a striker with a neck tat. <laughs> he, did, he did do that. And he, he of course, has even leaned into that and now referenced it. So um, I, I want to talk a little bit more about how the crew could use Cucho Hernandez and, and some of the, you know, good and bad expectations that exist there. Caleb Porter has, I think, also a level of expectation that is increased for him because no coach in crew history has been given the amount of talent relative to the rest of the league. I mean, maybe Siggy Schmidt, like, but, but again, that's relative to the, what the league was at the time. No coach in, in crew history has had the budget, the expenses. MLS has never been tougher to play in either. So we'll talk about that. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Talk about some more expectations for Cucho Hernandez and what it means for Caleb Porter and this new TV deal with MLS. All that coming up next. You're listening to Bone and Beam United, brought to you by Zaftig Italian Village. Now back to Bone and Beam United. Brought to you by Zaftig Italian Village. All right, so Cucho Hernandez expectations. Colombian International, by the way. Now, Colombia, you missed this. They missed this. They are not going to be in the World Cup this year. So, I mean, inter- like good good thing in some ways that the season would be over anyway, but if he got some kind of horrible, he wouldn't. Yeah. He won't pick up some horrible injury in the World Cup, I guess what I'm saying, causing him to miss part of next season. He's, you know, that's not a thing for him. So hopefully he stays healthy in the MLS season, but that's all another story. Um, I will say this about Caleb Porter. He had that quote where he said, of the 50 guys we looked at, this was my number one choice. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Maybe that's revisionist history. I don't know. You know, I'm a little skeptical. Maybe of Caleb he's being Porter. dead honest. Maybe he is. I don't know. Here's, here's what I do know. If you miss the playoffs with a with a rostered budget of damn near $20 million or mm-hmm. whatever it is for all these players, like Lucas Zellerion was the club record. That's a guy that you wanted brought in. Now Cucho Hernandez is another guy you've asked to be brought in. If with that... And every and in a championship roster still largely intact from when you won the championship a couple years ago. If you don't make the playoffs again, I don't care who the hell's hurt, you're gone. Yeah. Like you have, you cannot. I say that, but maybe I'm wrong because maybe this is the Haslam's way of saying, Caleb Porter, this is his guy. We've we've we budgeted this. We're gonna go get your guy, and and maybe they won't fire him if he does miss. But like. It is, you cannot miss the playoffs with this roster. I don't care. Even if he does get, even if he gets hurt, you can't, sorry. You He's cannot the miss one the constructing the roster bones. Yeah, so you, what are you <laughs> talking about? You cannot Bez, miss Bez the playoffs. Bez is not doing that at all. I don't know what Bez is up to. I don't want to hear from the people last year who lectured crew fans about, oh, you guys are so crazy and over the top or earlier this year, even that we're like, Hey, calm down. It's a long season. Blah, blah, blah. Like fine. They missed the playoffs this year. There's there's no coming back from that for Caleb Porter. He should be gone if that happens. All I need to say, last weekend, at home, beautiful weather, Saturday night. We did this last year. We did this entire song and dance last year. Uh-huh. Yeah. Home draw with Charlotte. Home draw with Charlotte. It's a new team. David Tepper's business in which they 
you know, are creating their new ground, their new training facility, just went out of business. They've got a whole lot going on. They came here into Columbus and got a draw. By the way, how was the Cruz goal scored? Was it off of some brilliant run of play? <laughs> no, it was off of their goalie completely screwing up and gifting a ball right to Hurtado right in front of the goal. Good, it's good for, finish. Yeah, he finished it. Yeah. But, I mean, you're not. That's not an offense that's typically going to be generated, right? The fact so, that they still have a positive goal differential is nuts to me. Oh, it, if I'm on the back half of this crew team, I'm livid mm. that all these really decent performances have been wasted by this inept offense. And and by, honestly, the, the people putting together the coaching staff, putting together the game plan every week offensively, like, I know it's a, it's a more, it's not the same as having offense and defense and special teams in I football, but there is something about like, you're the back line, you're holding it down. You're doing the best you can. LA room has not been the greatest all season, but he has put in some nice games mm-hmm. here of late. And this is why you're rewarded is with one and zero points. Like no, it's, it's gotta be better. And I hope Cucho Hernandez is the key that unlocks it all. I mean it, but you know what really worries me? And we were talking about this a little bit uh, off air. It's like, okay, it, what kind of style of play does he like to play? He's like to have balls whipped into him or is he good at holding up play and doing it all himself? Yeah. And if it's all predicated in the same style of supply balls being put into Cucho Hernandez, then I'm really worried. Even yeah, with the price right, tag of $10 million, right. their supply play has not been great this year. Yeah. It's really hard. Uh, Patrick golden, who has written for master report for many years. I don't think he does anymore, but still a, a, a great soccer mind and a good friend of mine. Definitely give him a follow on Twitter. If you like uh soccer analytic discussion he's he's good on that when he does it but he brought up the point that it's really hard to know exactly how Cucho is going to play because of the fact that he's been deployed so much as a winger Mm -hmm. so you do see a lot of like early early entry passes from him you see a lot of like shots early and from outside or around the 18 which is also something the crew desperately have lacked Mm -hmm. but is that because he's played as a winger and now that he's going to be played as a more of a target forward is that going to change what he does? I I know this for a fact. Can't say how I know it, but I know it. Big the, journo bone. The crew are aware. The coaching staff is aware that they can they cannot continue to whip balls into the six yard line. Like they they cannot go trying that with him. That's not where he's going to end up. That's not where they want him to get the ball. They know the ball has to go to the eighteen. There. I mean, I'm. I'm guessing they're still going to go up the sideline. I don't think they're going to completely sure. change all of how they play, which is good or bad or whatever. That's what it is. That's Nine how they're guys play. right up the middle, the old wedge. Yeah, but they are going to go up the sides and still try to work the ball to the middle of the field. Once they get into the final third, they are, they are going to though, understand they have to, the ball cannot be coming into the six, even though he's good on, he's good aerially. Like for a guy, his height, he's only five, eight or five, nine. He has won a lot of aerial challenges more than more than most in his time playing, but it's hard to know exactly what he's going to do in that target nine. Cause we haven't seen him play as much. So it's a, it's a very new experiment that we'll be getting out of this in some level. So I remain optimistic that he will be worth the price tag. I do think he's got that level of skill that very few guys in this league have the comparisons to Raul Rui Diaz. You tell you right now, if that's how he ends up playing for folks, who great. Not- <laughs> great. Yeah, then you'll win you will win multiple trophies with him here. If him if you have a Raul Ruli Diaz level of production next to Lucas El Rayon, yeah. you you should smoke the league next year and win every supporter shield, US Open Cup, like and of course MLS Cup next year. Full season of those two, that's what should happen. We don't know if he's gonna give you that level of production, but if that's what he's capable of, great. 
And if you watch next year, you'll be able to watch it on Apple TV. What a great transition that Look was. Look at that. Bar- barely saved it, but we got it there. <laughs> so that happened while you were gone, and, and we didn't talk about it last week. But Apple TV, one price, all the games next Thank year. Thank God. And no geolocated restrictions. So you can literally be sitting, I would guess, at the LDC watching a crew game mm-hmm. and pull up your Apple TV app and watch it on your phone if you so chose. So it's been so frustrating for me. I mean, I have YouTube TV and just the local blackouts like, oh, you can't get it. You, I have ESPN Plus. Oh, you can't get it on there. Yep. It was pretty wild because, you know, it's up in Michigan. I've been up in Michigan before, turn on the ESPN Plus app, and all of a sudden I'm able to watch the crew. Like there I am 400 miles away or whatever yeah, it is, right. and all of a sudden I'm able to watch my local team, but in market I'm not. It's yeah. It's, if, if your ultimate goal is, again, to grow the game, then why are you limiting people to watch your product? Because of the fear that they're not going to come to the game? Yeah. Like, okay. Makes no sense. It, it makes no sense. Um. So a few things to unpack with this. One, I do think the local production from – Bally sports has been great Mm -hmm. and what you're going to lose with this is they are going to have more of like the nfl style package where cbs has a group of guys that and gals who do the the game broadcasts they're going to be sent each week to whatever game they pick right that's going to be more the system with apple tv and with mls mls is going to i guess run all the production apple's just going to basically put it on for them so that, what does that mean for Neil Sika, Jordan Angeli? Mm-hmm. They have done such a phenomenal job. They're tremendous. I really hope, number one, they can be retained and get hired to do that, and I would like it if they would assign them to a lot of crew games, but we don't know what's going to happen there. So that is a downside to this. Um, one other upside, though, is if you are a season ticket holder for any MLS team, including, of course, the crew, you get this for free. Yeah. So what a benefit that is. Well, like, I told you, I'm a, so you know going to the NFL for a bit, I'm a Chicago Bears fan. Yeah. I don't live in Chicago. I have been a Bears season ticket holder. I haven't got my Applica- season tickets yet. applied, yes. Since like the seventh or eighth grade. Every year they send me a package. They have a login code and they have a password that says you can watch any Chicago Bears game that you want when you are out of market. That's great. Isn't it's that awesome? It's, it's fantastic. Yeah. That's the deal that they're doing with MLS. So will this mean, you know, talking with uh, my co-host, Common Man, Mike was saying, yeah, but people aren't going to be able to flip around and just catch a crew game. That is a downside, right? You're going to have to actually go on Apple TV. Search it out. I think the world is changing enough, and the demographic that MLS is trying to grab is enough online that that's not going to matter as much. But you're right. Like, people who are over 40 and 50 and 60, like, it's going to be harder for them to find this game if they're not so used to it. But you get on Apple TV, you're going to find out, oh, that's where all the games are. So I think it's an overall net plus. But I do hope we can find some way to retain some of that local coverage. We'll see how that goes. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, World Cup sites have been announced for 2026. Beam and I will tell you where we're going to spend all of our money <laughs> four years from now. That's coming up next. It's Man, or man and Bone. Jeez. It's Bone and Beam United. <laughs> Brought to you by Zapsic Italian Village. What a moment. Now back to Bone and Beam United. Brought to you by Zaftig Italian Village. All right, so the 2026 World Cup. We haven't even got to 2022 World Cup yet because, well, that's it's too hot to play that right it's now. It's the World Cup of Peace, Bone. That's so right. Gianni Infantino. Yeah, World in Cup Cutter. of We're peace. doing that in the winter. You know, yeah, we're playing in Cutter in the winter mm-hmm. in a country where it's illegal to be, I don't know, like, you can't have sex. We heard that this week. <laughs> yeah. You're not allowed to have sex with anybody but your spouse. And that spouse has to be a heterosexual relationship, by the way, because also that's a crime. So, mm. yeah, good thing. So- not very inclusive of FIFA. To- hey, it's the World Cup of <sighs> Peace. Don't right. ask questions. Whatever. 
Anyway, pr- ha- happy Pride Month. Seriously, though, good to see the crew do something with that. Yeah. And, and also with Juneteenth, good to see people like uh, Supporter Supply Company. They put out a Pride kit, which was is very amazing. I saw a lot of them last Saturday. Yeah, those are awesome. So, yes, love to see the support for all those communities and to see soccer be more of a welcoming thing because that's what it really is outside of when FIFA gets their hands on it, but whatever. All right, so that's 2022 World Cup. That's yet to happen. But four years from, like, right now, we will be in the next World Cup because it will be in the summer. Here are the host sites that will be in North America. I'll give you the U.S. sites first. So MetLife Stadium in New Jersey, which they list as New York, New Jersey. It's in New Jersey. I know what you're saying. That's the New York City one. Correct. Whatever. It's in New Jersey. Uh, SoFi Stadium in L.A., AT&T Stadium in Dallas, uh, the Levi Stadium in the Bay Area. Santa Clara. Santa Clara. Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, home of Megatron's BH. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> Lumen Field in Seattle. NRG Stadium in Houston. Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia. Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City. And finally, Gillette Stadium in Boston or thereabouts. So, Foxborough, Mass. That is currently what you have for the U.S. sites. The other sites in Mexico and Canada, so Guadalajara got one, which is Estadio Akron. All right. So Akron, congratulations. The rubber bowl. You're somehow involved in this. Mm -hmm. The stadium I want to go to most to watch a World Cup game in 2026 is Estadio BBVA Bancomer, a.k.a. the most beautiful stadium in the world, Monterey Stadium. The bank. The bank, which is right right in the mountains. It's at elevation, of course, but it is gorgeous. You can literally see mountains outside of it. It's so cool. Uh, Estadio Azteca in Mexico City, naturally. BMO Field in Toronto, mm-hmm. which I saw they're going to expand even further. Yeah. I know it's already been expanded and redone and all that, but they're going to expand that to, I think, close to 50,000. So in order to host, go ahead with the last yeah, one. Yeah, and the last one is just uh, BC Place in Vancouver, which is their, like, quasi indoor outdoor stadium it's kind of weird but so in order to host these games uh there were i think four or five other cities cincinnati being one of them yeah yeah Um, i have the cities okay go ahead and list those so the ones that missed out edmonton in canada then denver nashville orlando baltimore and finally yes cincinnati they did not get in so you have to under FIFA, when they host a tournament like this, or UEFA, or whatever it is, uh, one of these big international governing bodies, uh, under FIFA standards, there is what's called the FIFA standard, and you have to be up to a certain number of actual uh, attendance that you can get into your stadium, and you have to have certain amount of amenities as well. So, if you're asking yourself, like, "Oh, Columbus would have been a great place to host it," it was, it was, was never going to be a possibility. It was never going to happen. And if you're asking yourself too, like. Well, you know, Red Bull have a stadium out there in New York, New Jersey. Why isn't that? Well, because MetLife Stadium upholds those standards, and I don't think that Red Bull Stadium does. So if you're wondering, well, and Red Bull only holds like maybe twenty-five or thirty. It does not hold enough people. And I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure the standard. The last time that I checked, and this was a few years ago, it's either like thirty-eight or forty thousand people. Yeah, is the minimum attendance. FIFA wants to sell as many tickets as possible. By the way, they were not going to do this at the the tickle. If, if Cincinnati got it, it was going to be at Paul Brown Stadium where the Bengals played. Right. Now, you might say, why didn't Columbus even get in the running for this if Ohio Stadium, that holds plenty of people? Yes, but 
as we've discussed previously, there's a problem with the narrowness of the field. Soccer fields, the minimum amount of width you need to play soccer is wider than the entire width of the sidelines and field that they use at Ohio Stadium. Right. When they played that International Cup of Champions thing yep. here a few years ago, they actually had to put a platform down to raise like the field up above so that they could get wider in the bowl to then put grass on it and then have the game. So that's not something FIFA's going to do. They're not going to put a World Cup game on that surface. Uh, so, yeah, sadly, when Ohio Stadium was renovated back like 20 years ago, yeah. that pretty much killed any chance of Columbus ever hosting a World Cup game unless we build another 50,000, 40,000-seat stadium, which I don't think is happening anytime soon. So since 2001, stadiums that host any World Cup game have to be at least 40,000. Stadiums hosting quarterfinals must have a minimum of 60, and those hosting the finals have to have a minimum of 80,000 um attendance yeah yeah anyways it just goes back to my thinking i mean you see you see this all the time how players complain about you know playing on field turf and i know the agronomy departments across the u.s will be able to handle this but like most of those cities that you listed out in those stadiums like those are all turf like oh yeah so there's I'm a lot of them that are gonna we, have that i'm wondering when we get to four years down the road because we've seen that a lot um where i mean it's just a different kind of a game if you're literally trucking or flying in sod to get a good pitch. I can't imagine they're going to allow that. I'm I'm going to guess that all those stadiums will have committed to, we are going to, we're going to rip out our field and put in a actual turf. Oh, field. so you don't think they're going to do it on top of the turf? No, no, no. I'm saying like, they're going to throw down. Think about it. Yeah. A lot of these are NFL stadiums. Mm-hmm. So as soon as your NFL season's over, rip out your ass. Your, it's going to be going turf. on. Oh, I, never mind. It's yeah, June. It's going to be in June. I think. I think unless they change it again. But <laughs> I don't. I don't, I don't think, think so. they will. They're going to rip out their turf. Then they're going to put in real, actual grass. However, they do it, but it'll have months of time to be watered in, grown, and be a really stable surface. Listen, NASCAR has been running. They're going to do it again this year. They're going to. They ran an exhibition race in L.A. in yeah. the the Coliseum, where they ripped the entire field out Jeez. and put an asphalt track down. I mean actual asphalt that is like your roads outside and then after that was done they tore it all up put the dirt back in put the grass on top of it and have grass in there now and they're going to do the same thing next year the world to get a world cup game no doubt i'm i'm i would bet almost all of my money that they are not going to play those on turf and that they're not even going to just lay sod on sure. top of it. they're going to probably put a real substrate surface down do it right grow the grass that kind of thing for six months and then have their world cup and then get all that out of there. Or maybe they'll keep it for a year or something. I don't know. But, like, I would love that if some of these places would actually keep natural services. But well, I think the NFL players who play on those fields would as well because there has been a direct link to more concussion and more body issues playing on turf than there are actual grass. Yeah. And and for those who would say, how are they going to go grass in, like, you know, the Mercedes-Benz Dome where they just have that little tiny opening? Again, Megatron's BH. <laughs> they... they they will have the grow. I promise you, they will bring in those grow lamps. Yeah. They will keep that thing open twenty four seven. They will water the crap you out ever of heard it. Heard a hydroponics spoon? I'm I'm guaranteeing you, they will do everything you possibly can. <laughs> I like the hydroponics. That's good. So they're going to do everything they can to make that a real grass surface. So yeah, they'll. I'm pretty sure that'll happen. Jason tweeted us uh, when the World Cup sites were announced, and he asked. He said, if you were to choose a city to travel from Columbus to watch a World Cup game in 2026, which one would it be? Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, first of all, there's something to me about the ability to drive to an event. Mm -hmm. 
But flying is great, too. It's just that adds to the expense. That adds to everything else. And I want to stay in the city for multiple days for a World Cup. Yeah. I want to be there for all the fan events. I want to I want to see the other team's fans. I want to interact, go to bars, do all that stuff. I think the one that is most appealing to me from, like, an ease of travel standpoint, I mean, I guess, I guess, I guess like, the – it wouldn't be that easy to travel to, but Kansas City would be kind of interesting. Yeah. I've always wanted to go to Kansas City. Yeah, like I've always heard good it's barbecue, a great town. Good beer. Yes, like that feels like I'd like to do that. And then what I'd like to do is I would fly to Monterey <laughs> and go. No, I'm, I'm, I know you're not. I'm dead we talked serious. about this the other day. I would go see like whoever is playing there. I don't. It doesn't have to be involving the U.S. Although, let's not rule out the possibility that they throw the U.S. into Mexico or Canada for one of these games. That could happen. I doubt it. God, I doubt mess. it, but it could happen theoretically, I guess. Anyway, that's I, I would probably go to Kansas City. Is that where your pick is too? I'd go to SoFi. I want to see that yeah, stadium. Yeah, that's true. That stadium life. will be Although, pretty awesome. Although I will throw this caveat out there. I do hate the city of Los Angeles. I had a, my, the first panic attack I ever had in my life really? was when we landed at LAX. It is. That's a whole other world, it's man. It's too many people for me. I had anxiety about it the entire time I was there. I'd like to see the stadium. Maybe if you just dart me in the neck and transport me out to the stadium, wake me up when the game begins, right. and then dart me in the neck again as soon as it ends to get me back to Columbus, I'm in. The only, I guess the last thing I'll say about the Kansas City deal is the one thing I'm missing there is I'm not going to be able to do like public transit. That's I may have to reconsider because I would like to go to a place where I can hop on a thing mm -hmm. and be already drinky. And then <laughs> it takes me to where all the drinky is and I do more <laughs> drinky. And then I go watch soccer where I drinky and then I get back to more drinky. And then at four in the morning, when I finally am done with all that, it still plops me back in my hotel and I have to touch car key. That, that is something I would want wherever I'm going. So yeah. I'll have to reinvestigate all the local transit systems by the time that's Vancouver, in place. Big tran there big you go. Trans yeah, transport. I've always system. wanted to go to the Pacific Northwest. Vancouver's appealing, and I'm not I'm not going to Seattle. So for Jason, that. we're going to Mexico and Canada. That's what we're saying. <laughs> Kansas City, right? Yeah. There we go. All right. When we come back, we will talk about a bit of history for the World Cup. And twenty years ago this week, something that could have changed the course of soccer history nearly happened. I'm still mad about it. We'll discuss next. You're listening to Bone and Beam United, brought to you by Zaftig Italian Village. Brought to you by Zaftig Italian Village. All right, 20 years ago this past week, June 21st, 2002, it was a World Cup quarter final. Mm. Right? What comes after quarterfinal? Semifinal. What comes after semifinal? Final. That the means whole blanking thing. Do you understand? That means there were eight teams left. The U.S. was playing Germany, and this was a this was an MLS team that was composed of guys like Landon Donovan, mm -hmm. who was like child Landon Donovan, but he was awesome in that tournament. You still had guys like. Kobe Jones hanging around a little bit. I loved Kobe Jones. Yeah, yeah. He was one of the big early soccer stars for the U.S. But Brian McBride, huge part of that team, right? You you had some some real hitters on that team. Claudio Reyna was a part of that team. He's like, got a boy that's going to be featured in the next World Cup. Yep, Gio Reyna. We're hoping for big things this go around 20 years on. But in that game, there was a moment where a ball was put towards the net by the U.S. Torsten Frings, who was the... Uh, one of the players for Germany had his hand 
by it was it was out, but it was by his side. It was not like waving in the mm-hmm. air. But he's standing on the goal line. It hits his hand, falls down. They swallow it up. Germany does, and 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 at that point, the U.S. all raised their hands and say, "Appeal for a handball." That was everyone saying that's that's a handball stopped. Not denial of a obvious goal scoring opportunity. Not that, but a handball in the box. It's it's a goal. It's on. It go. It was. It should. It's a penalty kick. No question asked. It's a handball in the box. It stopped a goal from being scored by the U.S. Where early on in this game they gave up a goal, and it looked like Germany was just going to cruise. And then the U.S. settled in, played really physical and tough, and started getting much better at the play. And they came back and had this chance that almost goes in. And I'm telling you right now, if that goal goes in, I have I have zero idea how the rest of that game goes. <laughs> but I do not. I I'm telling you, I, it may still result in the U.S. losing. There's no, that was their chance. They didn't miss it. It got illegally blocked by a hand. Uh, and the referee who let it go do you at have the time. N- do you have night sweats where you just wake up and yell, Torsten Franks? Yeah. Oh, yeah. U.S. soccer fan, longtime U.S. soccer fans definitely will have those. Hugh Dallas was the referee who. That's not a real guy. That's, that's not a real, that's real guy's Hugh, name. Hugh Dallas. Guy. Hugh Dallas is the guy. That's right. Uh, so I saw that Sports Illustrated caught up with Howard Webb, who is now. Uh, a referee who called the 2010 World Cup, Champions League Finals. Like, this guy's been in all of it. He right? loved Manchester United, Howard Webb. <laughs> he gave a lot of Fergie time yeah, in his day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sure. So he's in charge now of professional referee organizations, video assistant referee program. Um, so he said, now he's a guy who's in charge of VAR. Mm-hmm. He says if VAR was around in 2002, no question, it's awarded a penalty. Sure. That's not even a thing. So do they hit the penalty? Is the pressure too much? I don't know. But I do know there would have been a penalty kick there. And the U.S. The U.S. had a goal wrongly, or a, a penalty kick wrongly not awarded to them in that situation. What do you think that would have done for the U.S. men's team, going back to that? If they're awarded, let's say they win. And oh, the I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, there's a whole generation of soccer fans, myself included, in that generation that became hardcore soccer fans because of that run. I knew Brian McBride. I knew a couple of the other, Landon Donovan I'd heard of. But I watched all those games. Again, these were overnight. These were these mm-hmm. were in Japan and South Korea. Yeah. So I I went to watch parties for these, but the majority of people were still not. It, it, you know, it's not going to be like the Cup World Cup parties you're going to see this fall, where it's much better times. People are going to be out. But that is one that got a lot of people to say, "Oh, soccer's fun," and I'm going to watch the U.S. national team every chance I get. I'm going to watch these other players and follow their careers. That was the entry point. If they got to a round of there's a final four. Yeah. That's something everyone, I mean, they, they made the cover of sports illustrated that year when they are on this run, Mm -hmm. Landon Donovan's on the cover tiger won like the U S open or something like won a huge major, one of his biggest wins he'd ever had. Mm -hmm. That was like a footnote on the cover. The picture was Landon Donovan. And there were a couple other things too, like huge news stories, sports stories, like Stanley cups and NBA finals. They were like, bruh, Here's this U.S. national. I mean, it was it was shocking they even got that far. But they could have been in the final four. I mean, they could have been in the semifinals of a World Cup. And I just I do wonder what what if what would have happened. And that's why then the World Cup. Would you have followed, missed out? Would you have missed out on the the last World Cup? Would that I don't, have happened? I don't know. I don't know. But, but again, I'd like to live in that multiverse. I'm telling you, though, like, that's where a lot of U.S. soccer fans looked at 2006 and 2010 and 2014 and said, well, 
if we made it that far before, right. Landon Donovan's older and better. That's why all of us kind of scratch our heads that the results haven't gone the same way since. So this year, maybe maybe this is the year we get back to like a round of eight, and then we go from there. But I say semifinals or bust. Semifinals or bust, 20 years on. Let's make it happen. That is it for us. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it. If you're listening to us on the radio, thanks for checking that out. The podcast is available for you every single week. Just find Bone and Beam United wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening on the podcast, you already know that. So thanks for doing that. You can also find us on Twitter at Bone Beam United. We will see you next week. Until then, enjoy your summer of soccer, however you're doing that. And we'll talk to you soon.